Um, almost everything uh, I'm going to be talking about today and over the course of the next season, uh, I learned uh, in a uh, particularly painful season of my life when I had failed as a pastor and I felt uh, a failure as a husband and as a dad. Uh, sometimes we have to hit walls pretty hard to 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 uh, push back against our natural resilience and, and whether it's my ethnic heritage being a stubborn Dutchman or whether I learned uh, at the feet of my father or whether it's just my insecurity that pushes through uh, or whatever um, I I'm a plotter I'm a, a student of mine drew a caricature of me um, and, and 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 he said the the character that I reminded him most of, he does cartoon characters and then puts heads on them, was a tortoise, a turtle. And I thought, really? Really? And then I realized he got it exactly right. That's me. I don't, I don't make fast progress. I just keep on going. Right? Uh, and and it, 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 I'm an introvert. I'm a melancholic. I just keep on going, one foot in front of the other. Um, and so, so I have to I have to hit a wall pretty hard and and bounce pretty pretty hard. Uh, I know the image of turtle and hitting walls are not exactly compatible. How many are tracking with me? Okay, all right. So, so so my church um, failed. My marriage was in in trouble, uh, and personally, I was at the edge of all of the resources that I had. And. Um, I, at the time, I was in graduate school at Fuller Seminary and was taking a course uh, on the campus of Vanguard University with a friend, person who became a friend of mine named Roger Heuser. And in the course of this uh, study, he introduced us as required reading uh, a book called Spirit of the Disciplines by Dallas Willard. And that book, second only to the scripture, second only to the word of God, that book changed my life. It modeled for me, it gave for me a new understanding of a way of following Christ that could act, that actually made sense to me. I had grown up in a Pentecostal denomination. I would grown up at altar calls. I would grown up with high levels of emotional experience with God, which I still love and value and treasure. Um, but that wasn't enough for the season of life I was in, if that makes sense. I had visions, I had words of prophetic prophecy, words of wit, all kinds of people being here, all kinds, not enough. Because what I realized was not happening was that the character of Christ was not being reproduced in me. I had battled with my temper since I was 14 years old. And here at 35, still no progress really substantially made battled with pornography since I was a kid, almost no progress made. That's not to say I was doing anything about it. It still, however, was a struggle that was hitting the wall all the time. Does that make sense? Because you can be tempted and not yield to temptation, but sick and tired of the temptation. Do you know? Because it, it still has power. Uh, I was doing everything I knew to do as a pastor, and my church was not healthy. My marriage, I mean, you get the idea. 
And then I read Spirit of the Disciplines, and I realized there's another way to follow Jesus than I had been taught. It's not different It's and, in, in some ways, uh, and yet it is different. Because I had been taught, just pray harder. Nobody taught me how to pray. I had been taught, study more. Nobody taught me how to let the Word dwell in my heart so that it began to form my attitudes and perspective. Nobody taught me how to do that. Do, do, do you know? Um, so, so, Spirit of the Disciplines by Dallas Willard introduced a reason that made sense to me and then introduced me to disciplines. And since then, I've gone on with a, a number of resources on, on that same, same subject. That's why, for whatever it's worth, I want to encourage you to join us Saturday. At, at uh, you've got the card on your on your on your uh, on your chair there for the seminar with Willard. You can sign up online. Um, probably the highlight of my education was two weeks that I got to spend with him with uh, ten or fifteen others as part of my doctoral work. He was one of the mentors for my for my doctoral program. Um, I am I am. Um, um, Almost everything I'm going to say and much of what Darren is probably going to say because some of what he and I have learned in conversation together in classes and whatnot comes directly from, from this uh, resource. And I would love it if our church could be shaped by the same spirit uh, as, as, uh, as is evidenced, I think, in, in Dallas. So um, it, just for whatever that's worth, I want to put that, up, put that on the table. Here's... Here's what I noticed. Um, I've been a Christian for a long time, saved out of a life of sin and degradation at the age of four and a half, um, grew up in church my whole life um, as a Pentecostal, baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking with other tongues, called into vocational ministry at 16, and so on and so forth. And I noticed a prevailing tendency. That is, that we were surprised when transformation took place when somebody had one kind of life and as a result of following Jesus was somebody radically different in five years time. We were, that was testimony time. Not normal. And I realized that what had happened at least in my... and, and, and this is very self-referential this morning so your experience may be very different. You may have come to faith in Christ as, a, as an adult and, and so the transformation was different. But... But, but I wasn't, for myself, noticing that I was becoming more kind, more gentle, more loving, more patient, more sexually self-controlled. It's one of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. It's, it's the last one. Temperance, it's called, typically. But given the culture that Paul grew up in, it has to do with saying no to the passions. Do, do you see? And, 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 I, and I couldn't... Okay, I'm doing all of the stuff on Sundays. But the character of Christ, as marked by the fruit of the Spirit, is not being reproduced in me in a measurable way that five years looking back I can say I have over these last five years become more kind, more gentle, more loving, more patient, more joyful. So what's this about? I can still praise loudly. I can still sing loud. I can... You, you see, but if Christ isn't being produced in me, what's this about? Especially then, when I come to the passages of Scripture that we've spent time in as a community in Mark chapter 
chapter 1, where Jesus says to His beginning disciples, follow Me. And the work I've done in that indicates that what He is saying to them, what they understand Him to be saying is, I think you have what it takes to be like Me. To be like Me. To be like Jesus. That's what it means. I notice there are no Christians in the New Testament. Until way off into the history of the early part of the church. But there are disciples. Disciples, in other words, aren't super-Christians who have figured out the magic code to reproduce the life of Christ in them through extraordinary means. There are just people who pattern their lives day in and day out after the life of Jesus. That's it. And as they do that, they discover over time, in partnership with the Holy Spirit, by the grace of God, transformation taking place. So here I am, probably 23, 24 years on from my first reading of Spirit of the Disciplines. I need to confess something to you. It was so foreign to my way of thinking that I had to read that book five times to understand what in the world this guy was talking about. And I thought it was because he was a professional philosopher with appointment of chair of philosophy at USC. I discovered it was that he was speaking what to me at that point was a foreign language. I had to learn the language. And then I discovered that he actually writes so that people have to slow down when they read. That was really annoying to me. You you know, because I'm a college student, right? So I don't read anything word for word. I blitz through everything, right? Anybody? Can I? No? Okay. Um, I know you all, college students, wonderful as you are, read every word, underlining every salient detail. Yes, yes. Will this be on the exam? Um, So five times reading through that book, I finally got it in that two-week seminar. It clicked. That's what he was about. So this is what I want to lead us into. When Jesus says, follow me, the first thing that he invites us to follow him in is not the stuff he does in the spotlight, but the stuff he does in private when nobody's around. I can't raise somebody from the dead. I can't um, heal somebody. I can't... Uh, do the things that Jesus did in the spotlight. But I can do the things that Jesus did when He wasn't in the spotlight. That's what spiritual disciplines are about. That's what spiritual exercises are about. Um, I am am a trained piano player. I'm not a musician. I'm a technician. I read the notes. I play what I think is it. But I'm not... I mean compared to, if you will, but I don't have to do comparison. I can make passable music. But what, anybody else take piano lessons out the wazoo? What did you have to do? You had to practice. And practice what? Exactly right. Scales and studies, right? Why are they doing that to us? So that we can make music. Nobody's gonna. No, nobody's interested in listening to me play scales. 
But because I played scales, because I did the studies, I was able at times to lead people in worship. Do you, do you see? Um, uh, uh, Brian Clay is practicing at USC for his um, third attempt at uh, decathlon. Greatest athlete in the world, in my view. Uh, everybody know who Brian Clay is? Everybody okay? The Olympics are coming up. He is, a, he is an amazing athlete and a solid Christian brother. Uh, but the Olympics aren't until later on. Why is he doing this now? I mean, surely six, eight weeks before the thing started, he could just kind of... I mean, he's the greatest athlete in the world, for crying out loud. He could just like show up one morning at training and say, "Okay, we got six weeks. Let's 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 knock this puppy out." It doesn't work that way because he wants to be able to perform in the spotlight of the world. So he gets up a great while before it is yet day, and goes to a track someplace, and runs, and goes to a gym someplace, and lifts, and goes to an ocean someplace, and swims. Before an audience of thousands, right? No. Nobody's watching. So here's my question. What are you in training for? Not, what are you trying to do? But, what are you training to do? Do you catch the distinction between trying and training? Trying is good-hearted empty-headed. I have a friend who runs marathons. What if he called me in sometime in March and said, hey, Bill, I'm running the LA Marathon tomorrow. You want to join me? What would be my success rate if I were to choose to show up? Not very good. You, you uh, can tell that by looking at me, can you? It's not that hard, is it? Right? So I might, I might make, I mean, what if I bought new sneakers, new running shoes? What if I went to the Nike town place and had them measure my feet for the exact right shoes that would enable me to run the marathon? Which, I, I, I'm not sure, but I think it's like over 20 miles this year. I think they're doing it this year. It's an extra long one. Right? What if I got the right shoes? Would that do it? Maybe another hundred yards with the right shoes. No, what do you have to do? He has to call me in August and say, Bill, uh, starting tomorrow, we are, we, are, we are going to train to run the marathon in March. So here's the question. What are you training for? What is your intention and plan to stop sinning for the love of God? And what is your plan to become righteous for the love of God? What are the metrics of holiness that you will use to measure progress towards Christ-likeness? Here are the nine that the Spirit is using. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, meekness, temperance, goodness, faithfulness. Those nine are the metrics of the life of Christ being reproduced in us. So we do 
what Jesus did that we can do so that over time we are shaped into the capacity to do what Jesus did that we can't yet do. Does that make sense? So, I can't always control my temper. But I can get up a great while before it is yet day and go to a lonely place and pray. It's really hard. But I can do it. I'm going to fail on the way to doing it. But over time, and I got this will tell you something. I had to set four alarm clocks when I first decided to start to do this. Why? Because I'm not very disciplined. I had three, two of them required me to get out of bed to turn them off. Across the room, right? I mean, this is all I could figure out how to do. I didn't. I want to get up and I want to pray. It's not naturally likely that's going to happen. So what do I do? I got to work for myself against myself. Does that make sense? I've got to get to the gymnasium of the spirit and put as much diligence into this as Brian Clay puts into preparing for a minor athletic event called the Olympics. Because I'm in the big leagues of Christ-likeness. So are you. He says to you, I think you have what it takes to be like me first thing he does is gather us all together and go to a lonely place where we have to learn the first and the most difficult of the three primary lessons he's going to teach us and that is how to be with Jesus does that make sense so here's what I'd like you to do if you've got your Bibles with 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 me turn to first Timothy um, it's it's on page 830 in the in the green one that I'm I'm using here First uh, Timothy is is uh, uh, probably seven eighths of the way through the New Testament. Um, yeah, we have a, a few copies on the side here. I'm using the the green one, but the the red one will, will work as well. First Timothy chapter four, and I want to just set the frame here uh, as we as we look uh, at this. Paul is writing. The Apostle Paul is is writing to the church. Um, to Timothy, rather, who is pastoring the church at Ephesus. And he says um, some very important things. He says, verse 6, uh, 1 Timothy 4, If you point these things out, he's talking about doctrine, etc., to the brothers and sisters, you'll be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished on the truths of faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. Don't waste your time. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, and notice here's the word, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value. But godliness has value for everything. Holding promise both for the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance if you go on Josh to verse 10 sorry or faith are you driving the boat here okay Um, and, and verse 10 says that is why we labor and strive 
because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and especially of those who believe. Notice that language at the beginning of that verse 10. That is why we labor and strive. How many know that you will not become like Christ by going to church? You just won't. Any more than you'll become a car by parking in a garage. That's a language from uh, Spurgeon. But that's what we plan to do. And this is why I loved what Darren was saying. This, the garden is not a Sunday. Sunday's not the main event. This is where we gather as the church, but it is not where we are the church. So we need to learn how, and it's going to take some labor and striving. It's going to take some straining. If you back it up to verse um, um, uh, 8 uh, or 7, tail end of verse 7, it says, Train yourselves um, for godliness. The word train there is the word that I'm going to be picking on. It is the idea of the gymnasium. Train yourselves to be godly. Train, not try. Not count to ten to deal with your anger. Not put triple X church on your computer to deal with pornography. you got to do what you got to do on the way to being where you want to be. I, I get that. But, but what if we could become the kinds of people who were good for nothing? Not good because we... We're afraid of punishment. Not good because we're promised reward, but good because we, in fact, are good. The character of Christ has been produced in us to the extent that we are known and noted as a community of people in which there, are, there is the mark of love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness. How do we plan to get there? We're going to get to the gymnasium of the Spirit. We're going to do some CrossFit training. We're going to go to, what is it, the PX90? Whatever it is, you have to, whatever image you want to do. And if none of these images make sense, how many of you are just not athletes at all? Thank you. For the five of us who are similar in that pattern, because I fit into that category. Whatever it is that you have done to get good at whatever it is you are doing, whether it is in music and practicing, or whether it is in dance, or whether it is in some other form of, of energy or effort, it takes three years, three years in any given job to get good enough at it to the point where you can begin to excel. You just have to get your head around the fact that you're going to fail, you're going to pick back up, you're going to keep on moving. Why do we expect it to be different in the life of following Christ? Why? Do we and somehow think that there's just this magic thing that happens? It just doesn't. The grace of God is shed abroad in our hearts, and now we are training ourselves to cooperate with grace. Grace, this is a quote from Dallas, grace is opposed to earning but it's not opposed to effort. So we're not earning anything. We're not, God isn't more pleased with us when we do this than when we don't. He loves us. But now because He loves us, I want to cooperate with Him. Does, does that make sense? So let's go on to the next verse here. And please notice uh, what, what, what it is that we're, we're trying to do here. And just um, trying to keep, 
keep focus on, on uh, uh, he says here, uh, physical training is of some value. Everybody let that sink in. Physical training. Push-ups, sit-ups, pull-ups. Some value. But for what kind of life? For this life. It's one of the reasons why we send our, our military to boot camp. It's one of the reasons why, why, why when you go to 24-hour fitness or LA fitness or someplace, they're going to, they're going to, I mean, if, 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 if they're going to send somebody to help you with a regimen that is appropriate for you. When you go to take dance lessons or go to take piano lessons or, or whatever, you can't be, at the end of the day, you can't be thinking about what to do if, if you really want to be effective, right? If you watch the basketball finals over, over, over this last little while, how, how many times, and this is the, as a, as a non-athlete, this is the thing that just completely freaks me out. Because it's magic, what's happening on the court. It's just, I have no idea how they do what they do. How does that big man jump that high and stay up there for that long and move while he's in the air? How does this happen? Right? Because I, 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 I'm a tortoise. One foot in front of another. That's what I do. That's my sole contribution to athletic prowess. Right? How do they do it? They play together for hundreds of hours. They run drills so that you know that your teammate is going to be over there without looking. You can pass to a player you know is going to be there, and when the ball arrives, so does he. And you can, you can apply that to any other discipline, than you, whether it's any of the sports, you, you get the idea. So how do we learn to do that? How do we learn to just be there? Because the thing is, if you have to think about it, it's too late. As dealing with my temper for most of my life, if I have to count to ten, it's too late. I've already exploded on somebody. Do, do, do you know? So I want to learn how not to be angry. How did Jesus do it? So he says, bodily discipline is good, some, some value, but godliness, the things for which we are training ourselves, has promised both for the present life and the life to come. This is why we labor and strive. So, these disciplines that we're going to be talking about over the course of the summer, we're going to spend a significant chunk of the time, probably about half of the series. Am I right, Darren, on that? on talking about prayer and the nature of prayer, um, I, I am aware that, they're, they're, that we just need to learn how to pray. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, Darren's going to talk, I think, next week about solitude and silence. Henry Nouwen says, without solitude and silence, there is no spiritual life. But we need to be trained in solitude and silence. How many of you, as soon as you get in your car, turn on the radio? Or you don't even have to, because it's already on. Or you walk in the house and the TV's on. To, to, I let her, uh, first ever, uh, I, I, was, uh, I facilitated a woman's retreat three, two weeks ago. That's very strange. But anyway... <laughs> So I'm there with 150 women. Fortunately, Judy was with me, and we we were so I was 
neighborhood. And, 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 and it, was, it was amazing. But one of the hardest things I asked them to do was to take one half hour, 30 minutes, and go away and just be by themselves with Jesus. You would have thought I had asked them to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. Really? Can I take my iPod? No. Can I take my Bible? No. I just want you to be alone in the beauty of God's presence. Just be with Jesus. Some of them lasted a whole ten minutes. And before we start throwing things, guess what your assignment this week is? Let's create some space to be present to the God who is always present with us. First time I went into solitude and silence, I did it because it was an assignment for class. It took me three and a half years of regular discipline to get to the place where I could actually be quiet. Now, why did I push at that for three and a half years? Because I want to be like Jesus. And He did it. Do, do you, with, you with me? So as we th- sit through this, I want the good life that Timothy talks about. I want this promise of the life to, of the kingdom to come. I don't want to just be like Jesus on point. I want to be able, when I'm on point, to be like Jesus because I'm not thinking about it. Dallas calls it the encephalization of function, where we develop a spiritual muscle memory that begins to act and respond without our thinking about it in the moment. Do, do, do you see? It's, 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 it's one of those... those and we, I could illustrate this over and over and over again, but, but the point that I wanted to make is that that as we sit with these disciplines, uh, we recognize there's stuff that the Holy Spirit does that only He can do. There's stuff... God is at work in us to bring about His, his, his outcomes. It, 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 isn't that good news? That, that He is at work. He is operational. The grace of God has been shed abroad in your heart. There's nothing you can do about it. He is working on these things with or without you. But I'm guessing that the Holy Spirit would prefer cooperation. Does that make sense? Because we get further as we cooperate with with what He's doing. How many of you have discovered, and this is my journey, that, that you keep running into the same things over and over and over again? Do you think it might be because we need to learn to cooperate with the Holy Spirit in those things? Because we all have a few besetting sins. My besetting sins are probably not Pete's. Probably not Alyssa's. They're mine. So he is custom tailoring. I have a personal trainer in the Holy Spirit who, who will, will, will partner with me as I partner with him on the specific areas of Christ-likeness that He is working at at any given point. Because He is faithful to bring to completion what He has started. The second thing I need you to know is that your life is the only life in which you will ever meet God. Your life, your ordinary, everyday, walking around, going to work, feeding the kids, taking care of business, 
your life is the only life in which you will ever be formed to Christ's life. This is not about extraordinary measures. This is about taking advantage of what happens every day to cooperate with the Spirit for Christ being formed in us. Then the third thing that we can do. So first, the work of the Spirit. Second, the ordinary events of everyday life. The third thing that we can begin to do is deliberate disciplines. You can look at 1 Peter. You can look at Paul and Timothy here and Romans. Is, is what are the things that I can specifically do? And, and I'm going to suggest to you that there are four core ones that we need to pay attention to. Uh, solitude and silence are the primary ones that create space. But then prayer as conversation, not shopping. Prayer as conversation. We'll talk about that. And then the sec- uh, second one of that, that builds in, solitude and silence create space. Prayer and word or study build in the character of Christ. Jesus is very clear on this. If, my, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you will be shaped to such an extent that you can ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. That's, that's, that's amazing. I want that. I want to have that kind of cognitive awareness of what God is doing that I can ask, having been shaped by the word and words of Christ. So, I didn't start memorizing scripture till I was 35. It is really hard work when you're 35 to memorize scripture. So I stumble. But I've, I've got chunks of it now that are really helpful to the Holy Spirit as he produces Christ in me. Do, do, do you know? And I'm guessing, here I am at 58, that if I'd started sooner, I would have had more in the toolbox for him to use. So what is your plan to commit to memory, to heart, to know it by heart, the Word of God? That if it abides in you, and you are formed and shaped by it, you can ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. I am a long way from that, but I'm, I, I, I don't... I, I want to know it. Not memory verses, chunks of Scripture that lodge and form my thinking, form my praying, form my everyday conversation. Do, do you know? So, so if, you go, if you go on Saturday, my guess is you'll hear Dallas say some things and you will have heard me or Darren or somebody else say those things. Why? Because I've, I've memorized chunks of Willard. Don't even know that I've done it. I think they're my insights. How does that happen? They just sit and... So, how many of you know what I mean? If you have, if you have an author you like, if you have a, a professor you like or a mentor you like, you just start to breathe his words or her words, right? And you say them later on in conversation. You don't know where they came from. But you just know that, that they're really wise, good thing. That's, that's what Jesus says. Let, let that begin to abide. 
So we're going to be talking about prayer for a long time, and then we're going to be talking about some of the other disciplines, some of the other ways in which we can cooperate with the Holy Spirit. So these are exercises to build capacity. A couple of things that I need you to sit with. First of all, spiritual disciplines are not an end in themselves. You don't do push-ups so you get good at doing push-ups. You don't do scales so you get good at doing scales. You don't do wind sprints so you can get good at doing wind sprints. Or in basketball, do lines. You don't get do lines so you can get good at doing lines. You do lines so you get good at running backwards as fast as you run forward. There are times in the course of a basketball game, apparently, where running basket ba- backwards is really helpful. Who knew? Do, do, do you see? So the discipline is not the point with the exception of a couple or three basic ones. But the, the point is, you get good at them so you can be like Jesus when you're not thinking about it. These are the ways of training. Second things, they're cumulative in their effect. They build upon one another. So don't worry if it doesn't work. Keep at it. They build on one another. They cooperate with grace. Concentration of effort is important. For example, skipping lunch is not fasting. Fasting requires a deliberate and an intentional setting aside of some, usually food, for a period of time. So it builds. Everybody, number three, will find a slightly different path. Because your journey is different. Your personality is different. Your way of relating to God is different. Your primary window through which the Holy Spirit blows is going to be different. Some of you uh, will not be able to pray sitting still or kneeling down. You'll need to be walking around. That's fine. Jesus knew how to pray walking around. Stay close. You'll learn. Do do you see? Um, Everybody's is going to be uh, a slightly different path. Number four, it's all about time. The truth is, time is unmanageable. Correct? You've discovered this? It tends to click along at about 60 beats a minute, whether you manage it or not. And it does so without supervision. It just goes. So when we talk about time management, what we're really talking about is management of ourselves in time. So time will not suddenly emerge out of an otherwise busy... I'll get to it when I have time. Guarantees that you will not get to it. So I have, I have, I have a day timer. I have a, a Palm Pilots where I first started on this stuff. And I just plug appointments in there. You'd be surprised that when I have... Because I have people, you know, can I see you go for coffee? If I can say, oh, I'm sorry, I have an appointment at 9 o'clock. Nobody says, well, what, who's it with and why is it more important than me? They just say, oh, okay. They don't need to know that on 9 o'clock on my appointment schedule is Jesus. They don't need to know that. Now, hopefully over time they'll be able to tell that. But they don't need to know that at the time. I've also got appointments in there for Beethoven and for Dostoevsky. They don't need to know that Dostoevsky's been dead for a hundred years. They don't need to know that. I still have an appointment with him on Wednesdays at four o'clock sometimes. I'd like to read the Brothers Karamazov. 
I learn a lot about myself. I'm right in the middle of that novel and not always the character I prefer to be. Do you see what I'm... Because it's not just going to show up. I had to get up early so I could get going before my boys showed up. So I have a standing appointment with Jesus at 6 o'clock every morning. He always shows up. Sometimes I do, and sometimes I don't. He never shames me when I miss. He's just glad to see me when I'm there. Do, do, do you know? It, 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 I, I've discovered I can't read the Bible through in a year. I just can't. I, I, it's just I'm, I'm a rock skipping over the depths of the lake. It's just kind of bouncing. Oh, wasn't that? Ooh, look at that! What? So I, I can I can read like five verses, six verses, and I just drift down in them, and that's about it. Sorry, I am not a superhero, spiritual giant person. Who are you going to call? Not me. I, just what can you do? What can you do? What can you do? Start there. If you can't run 26.2 miles, don't. If you can walk, walk. If you can crawl, crawl. If you can edge along an inch at a time, do that. In five years, you'll be a whole lot further than you were when you started. Making sense? It's not rocket science. It's not difficult. Everybody's path is going to be different. This is not about earning anything from God. It's about cooperating with the grace that has been shed abroad in our hearts. It's not about earning love. It's because we have been loved. And because we love. So I don't know what this path is going to mean for us as a community. The point is we don't do these things because we're spiritually mature. We do these things because we want to be. If you want to be a gardener, if you want to plant seeds in the city of Long Beach, if you want to cooperate with what God is doing as He seeks to change the culture of our community from the inside out, if you want to be salt and light, I'm going to invite you to the journey of incremental growth towards Christ-likeness. By deliberate hard work, hard work, hardest things I've ever done in my life. But it always works over time. I'm going to invite you um, just to kind of take what you've heard this morning and put it before Jesus. Pete and the team are going to come back and, and give us some space to do that with. It's a place for you maybe to make some commitments. But I'd like you to think through these two, two key questions as we head into this summer. What is your intention to stop sinning? And what's the plan? And what is your intention and what's the plan to become righteous? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for, um, for being a human being, fully human as we are, more human than we are. Um, and of, of, of living a human life in such a way that we can see. We can do that. We can do that. We can train. 
not just try. And I pray, Lord, that as, as you invite us into this, that you would help us to turn that intention into specific plans over these next few weeks so that you can be formed in us. Amen.